0: So I wanted to do something similar tonight. And we're going to talk about a really exciting subject called anxiety. So <laughs> I know if you're, if you're stressed out, we're going to help you out tonight. So my goal for these is not necessarily to confront people's anxiety in this room, though we will. But I want to provide our church family an avenue in which they can help other people overcome certain issues. So next few times I do this on Wednesday night, I don't think I'll do it on Sunday night, but I'd, I'd like to do these on Wednesday nights and give you guys some practical tips. Not a lot of it's not my experience because you're not coming to get a 25 year old's life experience because frankly, I don't have a whole lot. I, in fact, I think I'm the youngest person in the room. So <laughs> that puts it in perspective. But oh, for, the rest of the no, I did not say that, Pam. <laughs> she works for a lawyer. She's good at questioning. <laughs> but I don't have the life experience that a lot of you guys have, and I, have not, I haven't been confronted with the issues that you guys have, and frankly, a lot of you have lived, uh, not long, <laughs> a lot of you guys have lived through situations that I, that I probably never will. So see, I wasn't going after the old, I help run DMA. I love, I love the senior saints, so it's great. But I want to give us tools on how to look at different topics that the Bible is very clear about. People often categorize the Bible as just a book to show you spiritual things, but actually it's a very practical and detailed handbook on how to handle certain issues. And so we're going to talk about this idea of anxiety tonight, and I actually have a printout for you guys later afterwards, not for right now, I'll handle them out afterwards. It's not a test. I don't do tests. I have made a promise to myself and before God at my last final exam in college that I will never give a test in church ever. And then I gave the spiritual gifts test my first week here, so I apologize. <laughs> but many terms are used to dis- today to describe the problem of anxiety. We think of anxiety, stress, fear, intention they all have the they all have different meanings but certainly all characterize an emotion that is if we all can agree is too prominent in our lives today i think there's not a day that we go by that we don't feel some a little bit of tension or stress or fear or anxiety um you you especially as parents feel that probably most days dropping your kids off at the school and like It's either, oh Lord, I pray they learn, or Lord, I pray they behave, or God, if they don't behave, they're not going to go tomorrow, and that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of anxiety in our life. Rollo May, who's a psychologist, said in his book, The Meaning of Anxiety, he calls anxiety one of the most urgent problems of our day. It has been termed by many as the official emotion of society. If we had an emotion to run everything, it would be anxiety. How many of you guys have ever watched the. Not condoning this, but little Pixar film inside out. How many of you have watched that one? Shows little emotions. If the US, if the government, if the world had emotions running everything, anxiety would kind of be in charge. Stress or anxiety has existed since the fall of mankind. We actually see it in Genesis when when Adam and Eve sin against God, they show fear and anxiety and stress towards God coming in. And we all think of that as kids when we mess up. There's a lot of anxiety when mom and dad are coming home. I remember there was one time we, we were told it was a Saturday during tax season. Mom worked a lot of Saturdays during tax season, and you didn't mess with mom on Saturdays during tax season because they were always a little more, lack of a better word, taxing. But we were told to clean the house, and she said, I'll be home at 4. So I would have been 14 or 15. Tyler would have been probably about 17. Kareth would have then been about 11. And uh, when we lived over here, we could see her pull in, and we knew we had about 20 seconds from the time she pulled in the driveway to when she gathered up all her stuff, got up the deck into the house. We had about 20 seconds before she could see everything. I said, it's enough for us to clean up the living room at least and be washing the dishes. So we're scrambling. We're grabbing dishes from lunch, that kind of thing. And I remember Tyler threw a cup at me. It was a little plastic. It was a hard plastic cup and hit me square in the tooth and broke my tooth. We couldn't get away with it that day. (laughs) I mean, I had this little jagged thing, but we had a lot of anxiety building up at that point. And there was a lot of stress. If we were to define anxiety, it's defined this way as an inner feeling of apprehension, uneasiness, concern, or worry, which is accompanied by some kind of physical reaction. Anxiety can come from a result of real danger or imaginary or unknown danger. So that's kind of the broad general definition of anxiety. Here's how we're going to define it biblically. And this is what I would like you to write down. This is not my definition. This is a definition someone came up with, but I can back it up with scripture. And I will here in a second. The definition we were, I'm going to give for anxiety is taking on responsibility that was previously given to God. It's taking on responsibility that was previously given to God. You like where do you find this? Well, First Peter five seven says, "Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you." Philippians four six, "Be careful for nothing; be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God." If you need a theme passage for anxiety, here it is. If you need saying, "What's the passage I need to go to for anxiety?" Matthew six twenty six through thirty four. Matthew six twenty six through thirty four. This is the passage where God, he's talking, he says, Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies, he says, of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, you, O ye of little faith? And here's where the point of the verse is. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now, when you see that in the Old Testament, particularly around when Jesus is talking, when he says these things do the Gentiles think, What he's talking about is the unsaved people at the time. And that's what it's saying. You see, the unsaved world has no hope. They have have nothing to hold on to for faith. They have nothing to build upon. And they seek after these menial things. But the verse goes on, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So, there are different types of anxiety, and we're gonna look at that. And there are some anxiety that is genetic and it is a medical factor, and I understand that. But for the most part, a large amount of anxiety in today's society is us taking on responsibility that we should hand over to God. So, that's what we're gonna look at. So, there are different types. There's acute anxiety, it comes on quickly, it has high intensity, and it's short in duration. A good example of this, and Wendy will help me with this. Saturday, Wendy and myself went and made a visit to one of our kids that wants to come back to Quam. Walking down the sidewalk, getting going into Valhalla Village there in Brush, a dog jumped on the wall through a hole in the fence, and there was, a, there was a chain link fence there. Scared us both. That's acute anxiety. Comes on quick, it has high intensity. There's chronic anxiety. This is persistent. It's long-lasting it has lower intensity. This is the financial pressure you might have if the bills are coming due and you don't have enough in your bank account or health problems or that kind of thing. There's normal anxiety. It comes on as a real result of threat or danger. It's usually proportionate to that danger and the anxiety can be managed and reduced with a change of circumstances. This is a type of anxiety that you get might maybe before you get up to speak to someone or speak in a public environment. Or get up, how many of you have ever had to sing a special? There's a little bit of anxiety with some of that. I get more anxiety from leading singing than I will any other time in my life. I hate leading singing, it's one of my least favorite things, and I have a lot of anxiety, but that's normal anxiety. There's neurotic anxiety, it's intense, it's exaggerated feelings of helplessness and dread, even when the danger is either mild or non existent. It's a developed lie about evil coming personally to you. This condition is difficult to deal with because of the inner psychological conflicts that are associated with it. Phobias are this way. A child is scared of the dark. There's no real danger there. I mean, those of you who know, who have kids and put them to bed, there's there's nothing in their in their room that's going to harm them. There's nothing to be scared of. But there's a phobia result resulting from this anxiety. There's moderate anxiety. This is has a lower intensity. It's usually desirable and healthy, and it can help to motivate or avoid dangerous situations. This is the nervousness or the anxiety you get before a job interview or before an athletic competition. That's the kind of anxiety we need. It keeps us on our toes, it keeps us focused, it keeps us focused on what we need to do and how we need to do it. And then there's high anxiety. This, it shortens the attention span, it makes concentration difficult, it can affect memory skills, it hinders our performance, it interferes with problem solving, And it can cause undesirable physical problems such as headaches or even paralysis. This is probably the one that most people struggle with. This is most commonly referred to as a person being stressed out. How many of you have ever ever been to the point where you're so stressed out, there's so many things coming at you at once, and you kind of just shut down? I had that last week with something. I I had a bunch of different things. The last month with the steamboat thing, everything here, mom and dad leaving, it's been kind of a stressful couple of weeks. And there was a point where I just, I was sitting in my couch, on my couch and I just stopped. I was like, I need to stop focusing on everything and just let it all go blank. And at the end of it, you just have to give it to God. Because what you're doing is you're taking on responsibility, frankly, for things that aren't going to happen. And that's where a big part of it comes in. We start to focus on things that aren't going to happen yet that we still have time for. And we start, we start dreading them. And it causes anxiety. So what does the Bible say about it? Well, the Bible speaks of two types of anxiety. They t- talk about worry or fret, which is one thing we'll talk about, and they talk about. And the Bible talks about concern. Both are different. One is condemned and one is not. The emotion of fret or worry is condemned by Scripture. That's important. There, there's two types of emotion of anxiety we're going to talk about. One is condoned and one is, one is condemned. Matthew 6, 25 says, and we talked about this. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life or what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing. What he's saying is don't be anxious about it. stop, Stop worrying about it, but instead let God know your requests and he will help you. And it goes on in verse 7, And the peace that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then, of course, 1 Peter 5, 7, which is a good theme verse, is casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Gary Collins, in his book, Overcoming Anxiety, writes, Anxiety as fret and worry comes because of a sinful turning from God. Instead of acknowledging his sovereignty and his preeminence, we have shifted the burdens of life onto ourselves and assumed that we alone can handle the problem that we face. When man turns from God and becomes his own God, increased anxiety is inevitable. Perhaps it is not surprising then that in an age of increased godlessness, there is also an increased anxiety. I think we all can agree with that. The farther we get from God, the worse our problems seem to get. For Isaiah 57, 21 says, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. You see, the further we get from God, the further we get from peace and our anxiety grows, and that's that worry and fret emotion. But then there's also the emotion of realistic concern that is condoned. 2 so, uh, Corinthians eleven twenty eight said, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. We see Paul's talking here, and Paul is a person that we can look at and see that he probably struggled with anxiety of both the good and bad and kind. I mean, he was in jail. He was he was helping all these different churches. He had people like, like Silas and Timothy who he was mentoring. And he had all these different people turning on him. He had a lot of anxiety, but he cared for the churches. And he, had, he showed concern. I would attribute this to your concern for your family. That's a good thing. It's, what I'm not saying is saying, well, I'm just going to turn it over to God and my kids can do whatever. No, you need to show concern for your family. We need to show concern for our family. So what causes anxiety? Well, here's a few things, and I'm going to get to the practical stuff here in a second, but there's usually a legitimate threat or danger. Our, the crime in our nation, war, violent weather, unexplained il- illness, a visit to the dentist, my tooth, that visit to the dentist was traumatizing. The possible loss of a job, et cetera. In these cases, the person feels helplessness to prevent or reduce what is coming. You feel like your hands are tied. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how to get through to the next step. Those of you who own your own business, this is probably elevated even more for you guys because you guys are responsible for both yourself and the people under you. So you see a lot of these different things. There's a reduction of self-esteem that causes anxiety. We talked about this last week, but this is something that threatens a person's self-image or ability to look good that causes them to feel anxious. Separation causes anxiety. How many of us can agree with that when the first time you how many of you had struggles the first time you sent your oldest to school? Was it was it a struggle? I want I, I, I raise my hand. <laughs> I didn't have any anxiety going to kindergarten. That was my favorite thing. But turned me to 18 year old being dropped off in California from a late August to like early December. I was an anxious college student because of the separation I had. Nothing was familiar. Finances were tight. Nothing was going right. I had a roommate that was sick most of the semester, and he didn't shower. That is cause for probably capital punishment. Just I'm, I'm condoning that part. But there's a lot of anxiety. But separation causes anxiety. Uh, Otto Rank states that all anxiety stems from a separation of some kind. In life, in life is filled with these beginnings with separation. It starts from our mother's room from the li- and then from life itself at death. So we see separation is a constant thing we're dealing with and something we're going to have to deal with until the day we die. There's unconscious influences that cause anxiety. These are inner feelings that you're afraid are going to become outward feelings. This is a anger, a bad temper that has the potential to turn into a violent act against someone you love. There's conflict when two or more pressures exist and thus cause uncertainty and anxiety. Those conflict causes, that's being invited to two different places at the same time. That causes some anxiety. Maybe a new job is bringing better hours and more pay, but requires you to move. There's a pro and a con there, but it's two different things pulling on you. Or having the pain from an illness or having surgery to correct it, that will be painful as well. I think we see a lot of that in our, today's society. You're like, well, I have pain, but if I have surgery, it might, be a, it might be effective, but it might not be. I don't know if I should. And there's that unknown, that conflict within us. Fear causes anxiety. And here's the thing. Some fears are real while others are imagined. There are fears that we should be concerned about. If someone's sick, if someone's threatening us, that kind of thing. But there are fears that we really take on responsibility where we shouldn't. This is the fear of failure of rejection of the future. Those kind of things we shouldn't be worried about because God's got his hand on those already. And then unmet needs cause us to have anxiety. Survival, security, intimacy, self-worth, fulfillment, and identity are all things that we need. And when they're not met, it causes anxiety. But see, also spiritually, every person has the unmet need of sin until he comes to Christ as your Savior. And that's important. That's important for this reason. Because anxiety cannot be cured until you have Christ Jesus as your Savior. Here's why. If you're dealing with a weed problem in your garden, you don't just go out with a weed eater to get rid rid of the weeds, right? I mean, they'll chop them down, they'll look good, but they're going to go right back up. You've got to grab the weed and rip it out root and stem. As the same way with sin. You see, anxiety is usually caused by sin. And to deal with anxiety is fine. You'll put a band-aid over it and cover it for a bit. But until you deal with that root problem of your sin nature and correcting that, it'll never be corrected. So if you're ever talking to someone who's dealing with anxiety and you know that they've never made a profession of salvation, work the gospel into it somehow. That will save so much. How many of us can... The, before you were saved, you understood the anxiety was all the time. But then after you got saved, the weight of that was gone. The pressure of it was you knew you could handle it now because someone's helping you out. I think of Mindy. I think of your surgery you had so many years ago before you had your church family. and Then you had it again. And you'd even said it's, it's scary, but I know God's got it. And it's the same type of thing because we have a spiritual person. We have a spiritual being backing us in our fight. So how do we overcome anxiety? Here's where we get practical. And this is for both you who are talking to someone or if you're struggling with anxiety. Number one, they are going crazy up there. Number one, we have to demonstrate love. We have to demonstrate love. The biblical way to put off fear is to put on love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear Because fear hath torment. You see, the more fear, the less love. But the more love, the less fear we have. Then you have to identify the causes. That's why I gave you the types of anxiety. What type of anxiety is afflicting me? Or what type of anxiety is afflicting this person I love that I'm talking to? Then you need to encourage action. This is important. You can't just tell them some good stuff and then say it's all good to go. You have to put feet to the words. This, our, I had a teacher always say, you need to. every person needs to leave a counseling session with you with two things, hope and homework. I was like, Doctor, it was Dr. Scheller. I said, Dr. Scheller, I'm not giving everyone homework. But it's true because it gets the person starting to think about their issue and how to beat it instead of how overwhelmed they are. So you need to encourage action, but then you need to give support and due to the problem we cannot be tense or impatient we have to be calm patient and supporting concerning and and supporting con, supporting concern are keys to solving this problem this is why the church is important this is why having a good relationship with a with a christian who's maybe a little more mature than you is important because you need that person to come alongside you and support you build you up and encourage you this is why you should be in church as often as you can. And I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd, which is awesome. But it's true. We have people that come in on Sunday mornings, and I know their struggles that they're dealing with, and they'll talk to myself, they'll talk to Pastor, they'll talk to Pastor West, they're going to talk to my mom or Laura, and they're going to they're gonna talk to him about their issues and go through everything going on. But they're not making spiritual steps to counter that. But we've got to be encouraging. When I was up in Steamboat, I was talking to a kid, his name is... Keaton he's a little bit older than me and him and his wife are members there at the church and we're sitting there talking and he was very direct on some of the stuff he said and I always had to kind of back off I was like well I want to do that but I want to do it a little more loving he we were talking about this funeral I had to do he said are you just going to go in there and tell them that they all need to get saved or they're going to go to hell I said oh more or less but not nearly as deliberate (laughs) I guess But we have to be tactful in how we handle it because it's such an important issue. And this is what we give someone who's suffering from anxiety. This is what you want to give someone. And if you're struggling with anxiety, this is what I want you to give. It's another acrostic. It's the word fear, F-E-A-R, fear. This is what you need to give them. This is what I have for a handout afterwards. You need to give them faith in God and his word. They have to understand that only through faith can there be victory. So there needs to be faith in In God's word, you see Isaiah 4110, fear thou not, for I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So F is faith in God's word. Letter E is examine the fear. Examine the fear. We're not here to do shotgun surgery. This is a scalpel. We need to get to the bottom of what's going on. And examine the fear. If you, the verse for this is Joshua 6. Joshua 6, 1 and 2 says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Joshua 6, 6 is that whole chapter. It showcases that Joshua had anxiety, but God helped conquer that through what he did through victory. So examine the fear. Letter A, attack the fear head on. Attack the fear head on. No better story than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16. And Daniel Shadrach, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said of the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king. That we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They had anxiety, but they attacked it head on because they knew God was going to be with them. And the letter R is request God for help. Request God for help. And it goes back to to our verses. Be careful for nothing, casting all your cares, but Psalm 56, 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. So when we look at anxiety, it's a result of a man focusing on himself rather than on God's promises. Unfortunately, over a period of time, anxiety, if it's left unchecked, can cause physical distress, panic attacks, depression, and even lead to suicide. But here's the key verse for that. And it's our theme verse. But with God, all things are possible. So if you're struggling with this right now, if you're not sure how to get through this, look up. It's dangerous to always look in, but always look up. So I've got that fear acrostic on here. So when we're done, you guys can come up and I can hand these out. But this is simply just a tool to show us that, hey, the problem I'm having, the anxiety, the worry, the stress, the fear, is nothing compared to the promises that God gives me in his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us and dying for us. And it's in your name we we pray. Amen. They're causing me anxiety up there. Good grief. I know. And the flies are causing anxiety.